0: Grab your Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. And for those uh, visiting and joining us tonight, we're in a series through the life of David. And we've called uh, the series After God's Heart. After God's Heart and David was a man, the Bible says, had a heart after God's heart. But where we are right now in the text, where we are right now in David's life, David is not demonstrating a heart after God. David is following his own heart. And so this is a tragic text in the Bible. This is a text that um, we look at and go, how could David, a man after God's own heart, end up here? But uh, we're going to be considering some of that tonight. And so we, uh, this is uh, the half of the sermon I did not get to preach last week. And so we're going to go back, uh, hit a little bit of review, but focus. um, I am praying that it could be a more positive angle on it um, tonight. And so pray with me with that. Uh, But we do need to learn what God's word says. And so uh, we're just going to pick up some of the highlights from the text tonight. Verse number one of 2 Samuel chapter 11 uh, the Bible says, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the times when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an even tide that David arose from off of his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. From the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. The woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Right there, David should have stopped. Okay? He knew, from this point, he knew what he was doing. David could not claim ignorance. Verse number 4, And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, He lay with her for she was purified from her uncleanness. She returned unto her house and the woman conceived and sent and told David, I am with child. And then David sends and he calls Uriah. Um, Verse number 14, it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set you Uriah in the foremost of the hottest battle and ye retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew the valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab and there fell some of the people of the servants of David and Uriah the Hittite died also. Verse number 25. uh, The message comes to David. Uriah is dead. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee for the sword devoureth one as another as well as another make thy battle more strong against the city and overthrow it and encourage thou him and when the wife of uriah heard uh, that uriah her husband was dead she mourned for her husband and when the morning was past david sent and fetched her to his house and she became his wife spare him a son but the thing that david had done displeased the Lord. God knew what was going on, and God was not pleased. God was going to deal. And uh, next week, we're going to get into uh, chapter number 12, and we're going to see, and really through the rest of David's life, we're going to have God dealing with this and the consequences of sin. Um, And so let's pray and just ask the Lord's help. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, you've put Every event, every word of the Bible is inspired because you want to speak to us. And I pray, Lord, that your word would speak to us tonight, Lord, that your presence would bring conviction, would bring encouragement, would bring challenge everywhere that it is needed. And I pray that, Lord, you would help us to see you, to take the warnings that are in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I grew up in New York City, and so I constantly heard about all the crazy drivers, okay? And I grew up, you know, and I want to say from growing up in New York City, the crazy drivers are the ones that come over from New Jersey. Uh, That's just my, (laughs) if you've driven in New York City and you've been cut off, don't get me started. I'm going to get in the flesh before we get in. (laughs) Anyways. And so one of the things they want to recommend that especially a new driver uh, should do is to take a defensive driving course, right? To be able to learn to perceive what is going on in front of him. It's one thing to learn how to drive a car. OK, I can, this is, I can keep it at the right speed. I know how to keep it within the lanes. It's a whole different thing to learn how to drive the car in response to what other people are doing on the road, in response to the other situations that are going on the road. It's, sometimes it's just hard enough to keep the car on the road. And then there's different um, inclement weather and there's different things. Or like tonight where it's raining and it's windy and it's dark and there's other people who have their high beams on and all I know, right? And so sometimes taking a defensive driving course or uh, talking to someone who knows how to drive and getting some pointers can help you avoid a situation before you get there. Can help you know what to do to stay out of an accident Uh, to to be able to navigate the traps, to navigate the difficulties of driving safely. And really what I want to do tonight is give us a defensive living course, all right? Is to give us uh, some pointers from the word of God, from this text to say, um, we don't have to end up here, okay? Uh, We can understand how, we can understand the, the pattern of sin, that's really what we dealt with last week, that uh, there was a pattern of sin that wreaked its havoc on the life and the family of David. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet because he was not paying attention, because he began following his own heart instead of follow, making his heart follow God, David ended up in a world of hurt. Okay, the, But the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. That's not your preacher's opinion on it. That's God's opinion on it. The Bible says specifically that he has chosen David. He was a man after God's own heart who was going to fulfill all his will. It was David who stood on the battlefield and said, is there not a cause as he was facing down Goliath? And uh, he went and he stood against Goliath. Saul was cowering in his tent, and David said, I'm coming in the name of the Lord and won a great victory that day. It was David who again and again had inquired after the Lord. Lord, what do I need to do? Lord, how should I handle this situation? Lord, um, let me, your, your promises are good, and let me, let me follow you. How many psalms had David written? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... I don't need anything that God hasn't given to me. Yet we find this passage full of him wanting something that God hadn't given to him. Right? Yet he had written those psalms. He had written psalms of praise to God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Now, if you've been with us on our series through David, we know this. David is not perfect. There's many times where David was acting in fear instead of faith, like when he ended up in Gath, when he ended up in Ziklag. David was not a perfect individual. Yet, David had gotten back on track. He had come through that because he had sought the Lord, and the Lord had brought him uh, through that. And he was a man who was blessed by God. He was a man who was serving God. And yet, we find here in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David seemingly takes all of that and throws it to the wind. Um, he made a series of, de- of decisions that would mark his family, that would mark his kingdom. By the way, it still is marking his testimony today. If you know the Bible stories, we know David and Goliath. We know David and Bathsheba. Um, that is a blot that is in this life is forever stamped to the name of David. Now, praise God for his mercy. Praise God for his forgiveness. It's not going to be brought up in heaven. Thank God for that but that is something that is permanently in this life affixed to the name of David you see what happened was David stayed home from the battle and he saw some things he really shouldn't have seen and then he began acting on his lustful desires he inquired after that woman and he got the stop sign no, she is married. This, um, she's married to one of your most faithful soldiers. She's the granddaughter of your counselor. David, you know who this woman is. By the way, her name Bathsheba, uh, the word bath in Hebrew means daughter. Okay, you have a bar mitzvah, you have a bath mitzvah. That's where, and one of my friends, as we were talking about it, just reminded me, it's, David should have taken a big warning right there. She was somebody's daughter. You know, this this wasn't this was a real person who was who um, had a life, and yet David, uh, enticed by his lustful desires, sinned. Committed adultery, and then he attempted to hide his sin. He attempted to conceal it by murdering one of his own mighty men, Uriah. Uh, then uh, by uh, committing, uh, continuing to cover it up, and then marrying Bathsheba to pretend everything was good and everything was clean, but the thing displeased the Lord. What Saul's spear could not do, what Goliath's sword could not do, what waiting long years in a cave could not do, David did in a single night. The giant killer fell but it was David's own doing. Saul couldn't get David. The Philistines couldn't get David, but David got David. He followed. He was a mere man, and the pattern of sin worked its ruin. By the way, the pattern of sin is still working today. Here's what it is. Uh, James chapter 1 tells us uh, that uh, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. okay I'm going to break it down. Here's the pattern of sin. There's temptation. By the way, temptation is not sin. There's temptation everywhere we go. Um, But continuing to partake in that temptation, continuing to dwell on that temptation is lust. And lust is a condition of the heart. Okay, so you are tempted, which produces lust, which lust, when it is conceived, bringeth forth sin. If you begin dwelling on something, you begin meditating on something that is sinful, it's going to produce sin. And uh, then once we sin, here's what the natural, pattern, uh, natural tendency of man is. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen. Nobody saw that. You go from Eve covering, uh, and Adam covering their sin with the fig leaves uh, to David just Achan taking the sin. Uh, we're going to get to that on Sunday nights in Jericho. He stole from the city of Jericho and he took it into his tent and he covered it up. And it brought destruction on his whole family. David made choice after choice that displeased God, that dishonored God, the God he loved because he followed his heart instead of his heart following God. He went down the pattern of sin And even though David was a great man, a man after God's own heart, because he got on that path, it worked the same way that it's going to work in every person's life. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're uh, newly saved, whether you're newly walking with God, the pattern of sin will accomplish its work if we begin down that path. You're not going to cheat it. It's a law of nature. It's a law of God. That if we go down that path, it is going to bring death. It is going to bring destruction. The the pattern of sin is repeated again and again in our own lives. In the lives of those we love. In the lives of those we know. And we can look around and see, yep, there it happened again. But this story is not recorded because there is no hope. Okay, the story is not pointed so we could say, man, David really messed up. The story is recorded for us for our learning to teach us how to um, not make the same mistakes, to be able to look at what is going on and say, wait a second, something is coming. I need to avoid that. That is a potential hazard. That is a potential problem. Let me slow down here. Let me not go down that road. Let me not make that choice. See, we need to understand this. Each of us is capable of falling and committing any sin. But a child of God never has to fall and commit the sin that is in front of them, all right? First, this is a verse that all Christians should have memorized. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And the verse right before that says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Okay? Uh, You better pay attention because there is common temptations. You're not the only person who's faced this. You're not special. David faced it. You face it. I face it. We all face temptations uh, because we are sin- sinful human beings. But God—it's a promise from God—he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. Okay, I'm going to emphasize this: no Christian is exempt from temptation. No Christian reaches a point of safety in their life. Okay, there is a teaching among many charismatic or Pentecostal uh, churches uh, that is basically this. If you, you can reach a place of spirituality where you are sinlessly perfect. I don't know if you've heard of that, but there's actually a teaching. This is not a Bible doctrine by any stretch. I, I am exp- what I'm trying to do is expose that, all right? Uh, they're saying, you know, you can reach a place of spirituality where you're just not even tempted to sin anymore and you're, you're just perfect liar liar pants on fire okay and because uh my grandma grew up in a church like that and it was called a holiness church way back in the 40s and the 50s and uh she got out of church for many years because she saw what those who were stood up on sunday morning and said i have reached sinless perfection and then she saw what they were doing on friday night and said um well for us it's not sin anymore because we've reached sinless okay the lies that human beings can come up with to cover their own tracks, to do what they want, knows no bounds. All right? Um, okay, here's the simple truth. Before we got saved, you could try to do good, but you were still a servant of sin. When sin called, you obeyed. You, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 um, that we were the servants of sin. We were in bondage to sin. That we were, we need that at salvation, we were made free from sin. So if we were made free from sin, what does that mean before you got saved? You were in bondage to sin. You were under the control of sin. That when your flesh called, it wasn't necessarily because you wanted to. It wasn't necessarily because you thought it was the best idea, but you went along because you were under the control of sin. But the Bible says when you get saved, the power of sin is broken. You are no longer the servant of sin. You no longer belong to sin. The idea of servant there is a slave that you are the property of. We are no longer a servant of sin, but we are now a servant of the Lord. And therefore, though we still live in a sinful flesh, we do not have to follow sin. The bonds and the power of sin has been broken. But we still live in a sinful flesh that still wants its own way you have a traitor that lives inside of you, okay? There's not a champion that lives within you. There's a traitor. There's a saboteur who wants to go its own way. And I love how Brother Gaddis put it, you can't let your flesh out on parole for good behavior, okay? Oh, things are going so well now I can let my guard down. No, you can never let your flesh out of control um, or let it out of power. We have to keep under our body. By the way, Satan is going to attack you from every possible angle, okay? Not all the sin we face is allurement like sexual temptation or an addiction or something of that. We can face the temptation to quit. Quitting on God is sin. We can face the temptation to compromise. Well, that's really not that big of a deal. Okay, come on, preach. We can just for, it's, it's going to keep the peace. We can just back off this a little, okay? We can face the temptation to become entangled with the affairs of this life. That we can become so focused with the things of this life and the busy things that go on that we have no time and ability to serve God. That, that's, okay, our life is to be completely dedicated to God. We can be tempted to hold back what belongs to God. Tell God, um, no, I'm keeping this for myself. That's idolatry. Uh, is what that is, okay? We can fe- face the temptation to do what is right for show because of what others will think of us. That's pretense. God hates pretense, okay? Uh, we can face the temptation not to forgive. We can face the temptation to protect ourselves and, and not uh, submit to the things of God. There's a the temptation of pride. There's a the temptation of laziness, right? We, it, everything we do, oh, there's the big sins. No, everything is sin to God. That is breaking God's law. There's not big sins and little sins. There are sins that have greater consequences. Okay, but our um, our flesh wants what it wants. Okay, but while we could fall at any time, we never have to fall. Okay, we cannot ever say the devil made me do it. it, it okay, if you are a child of God. You are under the control of God. You are the servant of God. You can't say, well, the devil made me do it. Well, who's more powerful? Okay, so let's, let's ask some honest questions here. God is in control. We have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has been this before. He Through this before, he was tempted in all points as we are tempted yet without sin. Um, that, he may, he, that he himself was suffered being tempted, he's able to succor, he's able to rescue those that are being tempted. Okay, that's from Hebrews chapter 2. God knows what we're going through. He knows we are dust. He knows our frame. And he's promised us where he says he's been tempted in all points. Like like as we are yet without sin, the very next verse says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Here's what God has promised that when you are tempted, I understand what you're going through, and if you'll come to me, the mercy, the grace, the wisdom, everything, the strength, everything that you need is found in me. We're facing overwhelming circumstances. But God has promised He never allows too much. Okay, it's just too much. No, it's not. He said He will. He will. uh, What did What did the verse there say? I'm not. I'm going to need to go back and read it because it's slipping my. Okay. He will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able. He will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able. There. Okay. Now we can bring temptations into our own life. But God has promised he will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able. He has given us the Holy Spirit, the word of God, to give us illumination, to protect us from our own heart. Sin is always a choice. It's always a choice. And praise God, we do not have to fail. That's why the Bible says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey the lust thereof. When we let sin in our life... Then the, then the natural pattern of sin is going to follow. If there's lust in our life, it's going to produce sin. If we begin desiring things that God has not given us, it's going to produce sin. So don't let it be there. We need to remove it. Okay? God has made a way of escape, but we can reject that. Okay? We can say, ooh, I don't. I'm not going to take the way out. I I can get through this without a problem. I can handle this. No, we're either going to take God's way of escape, or we're going to follow the pattern of sin. Okay. And it's so. But it's so much easier. I I I, I want to emphasize this. I want to. It is so much easier to avoid the pattern of sin than it is to break the pattern of sin. Okay, praise God. God forgives sin. God can rescue someone who's in addiction. God can bring someone through the consequences of adultery, like he did with David. God can bring someone through pride and depression and all of that. But it is so much easier to avoid the pattern of sin at the beginning. Okay, my, my dad always told us kids the qu- best way to quit smoking is never smoke the first cigarette. Okay, the best way to quit drinking is never take the first drink. Uh, the best way to avoid drugs is never get the first hit. All right? The best way uh, to avoid fornication is never start that relationship in the first place. The, you know, um, the best way is to avoid. So then here's the question. Is it possible to avoid the pattern of sin? Is it possible to learn from the wisdom of God's word that we can see a situation coming and saying, God, I need your help. Help me to avoid this. Help me to avoid the traps that are there. You see, David could have avoided the pattern of sin that wrecked his testimony and wrecked his family by remaining in the battle and by heeding God's way of escape by realizing there was a battle going on, by not taking a break, and by heeding God's way of escape. Okay? Never stop fighting the battle. Never stop listening to God. Never stop fighting in the battle. Never stop listening to God. Okay? You say, Pastor, that sounds really good. But let's get, a, let's, let's get practical here. All let right? Let's... let's Look through the story of David and let's see some ways that we can get some warning flags, that we can get some indication saying, hey, this is a problem. We can mitigate some of the pitfalls if we'll pay attention to here. Number one, you will find God's protection from temptation and sin by simply being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. I grew up in New York City. Hey, and everybody always asked. Okay, I've said that a couple times tonight, not trying to emphasize anything, whatever. But uh, there's, so there's some experiences there. People would say, I can't speak for now because things are changing a lot from when I was a kid. But um, even today, this, uh, um, this information, this um, wisdom still applies. Is it dangerous in New York City? I'd go, well, if you're out at 3 o'clock in the morning in a bad neighborhood, yeah. But if you're in bed where you're supposed to be, I've never had a problem, all right? Okay, I, I, we said, you know what? There's no need to go out on the streets after midnight. Go to bed. Um, don't go wandering around neighborhoods you don't have business in. Uh, if you have to do something, go there, come back. Don't just see what's going on. You see a big crowd forming over here and there's different things going on, walk the other way, right? Um, just pay attention if don't be where you know there's bad things going on. And you'll stay out of a lot of trouble. When David first got into trouble, is because he tarried at Jerusalem when the kings were supposed to go forth to battle. Okay, There was the time of the year that the kings were to lead their men into battle. All of the armies of Israel were in battle, so every one of David's men was over there. The mighty men were there. Joab was there. And David said... I'm going to take a vacation during the middle of the battle. I'm going to take naps all day long. I don't, I'm not going to worry about that. Uh, yes, I'm the king. Yes, that's my responsibility. But I don't have to be there. Joab can handle it. I want to tell you, David did not go on that roof with the intention of committing adultery and murder. That was not his intention. He did not say... I'm going to go and I'm going to commit adultery tonight and I'm going to murder one of my men and I'm going to destroy my testimony, I'm going to destroy my family. No, that wasn't David's intention, but David was where he wasn't supposed to be. He was not where he was supposed to be. One man put it this way, David was safer on the battlefield than on the battlement of his own house. Right? He was safer on the battlefield than on the roof of his house. Your greatest protection against your sinful heart. By the way, our heart wants to go its own direction. And it can find a lot of ways to get around whatever it wants. We can set up a little roadblock here and say, um, I've got a filter on my phone. No, no, your heart can find ways around that. Your heart can find ways wherever it wants to be. So your greatest protection is to be where God wants you to be when He wants you to be there. Galatians chapter 5, I say then, walk in the Spirit... And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. There's your flesh that wants one way, and if you're saved, you have the spirit of God living within you that is telling you, this is the way you need to go. But you have to choose. Am I going to walk in the spirit? Here's what that means. It's not having this mystical glow that's over top of you and a spotlight that follows you everywhere you go. It means this. I'm being obedient to the will of God. I am submitted to the leading of God. That God is able to speak and I am listening. David wasn't listening. David wasn't walking in the spirit here. He was walking in the flesh. But when we're where we need to be spiritually, when our heart is attuned to the things of God, you're going you're to either you're going to follow God. You can't be, Lord, I'm walking with you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm being obedient to you and being disobedient to God at the same time. It's not possible. When we're walking in the spirit, when we're submitted to the spirit, you're not going to sin. If you're saying I'm submitted to the spirit while you're disobeying God, you're submitted to a spirit, but you're not submitted to the spirit. Everybody see the difference? Okay. When you're submitted to the Holy Spirit of God, you're going to be obedient to his word. Okay? That's why we make a big emphasis on reading your Bible, on being under the preaching of God's word. Jude would write to, his, uh, to, the, to the churches. He would say, keep yourselves in the love of God. He's, what he's saying is, stay in love with God. Don't let, The church at Ephesus, they lost their first love. They left their first love and they were beginning to drift. When you stop loving God, you're not gonna be where you need to be spiritually. Uh, You could be in the right place physically and not be in the right place spiritually. You could show up to, I'm not condemning anyone, I'm just giving us a warning tonight. You could show up to church, every, every service, and your heart still not be in the right place. Anytime I've counseled someone, anytime I've struggled myself, anytime I've talked with someone else, and there is a struggle going on, I can tell you there is a lack of personal spiritual development. Okay, There may be some outward motions going on, but there's something short-circuited on the inside where they're not walking in the spirit. Just fulfill and be diligent in your God-given responsibilities, and you're going to stay out of a lot of trouble. Okay, If you're seeking God, if you're Work, if you're serving God at work, at the workplace, you're saying, I'm not serving men for eye service, but I'm doing this unto the Lord. That's going to keep you out of a lot of trouble. Um, if you're serving your family, if you're serving church, you don't have a lot of time left. right? Uh, it's going to keep you pretty busy. And you can, if you stay busy, you can stay out of a lot of trouble. Okay, So be where you need to be. But it's also true that so much can be, uh, so much danger and so much trouble can be avoided if we just avoid the places of danger. Okay, that's why the pro- proverb said Solomon, who was the eventually the son of David and Bathsheba, who would have known something about that, told his son about the path. Of, he said, "Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn away from it." and pass away something that God has called sin we don't need more information about I wonder what they really do and what they No, don't go down that path avoid it pass not by it don't go to those neighborhoods at night alright don't allow your mind to go to those neighborhoods can I say something men be very careful with your access to the internet and entertainment Don't just spend time surfing the web and scrolling through social media or the TV channels. Don't just, there's so much garbage and so much immorality and fornication and temptation that is there. Be where you need to be and get out. Don't, don't just spend time. It's a place of danger. Have accountability. I don't know how many men have gotten into serious trouble and destroyed their families, destroyed churches, pastors who've ended up in prison because of child pornography. And it started with one look. Well, it's not that big of a deal. Make excuses for it. I'm not doing anything illegal yet. Hey, avoid places of danger. Don't be there. Okay? Be, um, be careful with your friendships. Okay? All of us. Be careful who, uh, who you get close to. Be careful with your idle time. If you're attracted to someone who's lost or someone is attracted to you who does not know the Lord, don't just be waiting around the office wondering if they're there. Well, I wonder if they're here. No, no, no. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Uh, shut the thing down. Okay? Don't be around just to see what happens. David went on the roof just to see what was around. Okay? There's a lot of danger you can avoid if you're just where you're supposed to be and you're not where you're not supposed to be. Okay? Be careful with tuning into radio preachers and TV preachers. Okay, there are, some good, uh, there are some good ones. I preached on the radio for a couple years, all right? So I'm not against all radio preachers, all right? Um, but uh, I believe Brother Travis is on the radio every once in a while preaching the gospel as well. And so uh, not, there are some good ones, but be very careful. There is a lot of false doctrine. There's a lot of snake oil salesmen. There's a lot of um, people who, are willing, who want to seduce you. Don't spend time arguing with Jehovah's Witnesses. You're not going to convince them on your doorstep. And don't, don't give place to that. The Bible says, don't give place to the devil. That's why we're to pray, lead us not into temptation. Lord, keep me where I need to be so I'm not needlessly exposed to temptations that don't need to be there, okay? Our heart naturally desires sin. So the first warning flag, okay, the first help to staying out of what David got involved in is saying, Just be where you need to be and don't be where you don't need to be. Uh, Just follow the Lord, okay? Number two, you're going to find God's protection and help by always staying on your guard against the devil and against your flesh, okay? Never forget you have a present enemy, all right? When David went on the rooftop, he forgot he had an enemy. He was saying, I'm good, I'm strong, right? He was just going about his business. He was not taking heed to himself. He was not aware of his surroundings. By the way, when David was in places of trial and places of struggle, when David was in the cave, when David was running from Saul, where was David? He was on his knees. He was seeking and he was praising and he was calling out to God. He was completely dependent upon God. But here, David is in a place of, Security. Well, I'm safe here. There's no big problem here. There's no real struggle here. Okay, what you often think is the worst situation going on in your life may just be God's protection from your own heart. Okay, how many remember Paul? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to try to move quickly tonight. But he, he talked about the thorn in the flesh. And he besought the Lord thrice that the Lord would remove it from him. It was a messenger of Satan that buffeted him. Okay, you'd say, I'm not... Okay, it was literally beating him black and blue. He was in a struggle that was just oppressing him, that was just wearing him out. And um, if you've ever gotten a thorn in the flesh, okay... We're not just talking about getting uh, one of the little bramble branches. We're talking about something that hurts, something that is incredibly painful, something that stops everything in your life. And he said, eventually, he said, um, verse number nine of Second Corinthians chapter twelve. He said unto me, "My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." Most gladly, therefore. Will I rather glory in my infirmities and my weaknesses and in my troubles that the power of Christ may rest on me? Sometimes God sends things, Lord, please take this. And yet that's the very thing that God is using to protect us from ourselves, Because it's keeping us dependent upon God. Don't forget that we have an enemy. Okay? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan's goal for your life is to devour it. To destroy it. To devour your family. To devour this church. To devour your testimony. And he doesn't care what gets in the way. That's his goal. And if Satan can't devour you, he's going to use discouragement. He's going to use distractions. He is going to use disillusionments. To get your focus off where it needs to be, to get a foothold in your life. The enemy is just waiting for you to relax your guard. Okay. I've reached the point where I can't be tempted anymore. Please. Can I give you a warning? No. Our flesh, we can't let our flesh out on parole. Well, we've been behaving really good. No, no, no. Our flesh wants that. And we are either going to avoid the pattern of sin or we're going to suffer the consequences of the pattern of sin. But we also have this tendency. This is part of that. We treat the enemy like it's not that bad. Like it's not that big of a deal. Like I can handle it. Come on, preacher. Get off my case. A little bit of social drinking isn't that big of a deal. A little bit of, uh, I know he's not saved. I know she's not saved. I, but I, I know I'm married, but it's, there's nothing going to happen here. It, it's not that big of a deal. I can handle this. How many have ever heard the name Timothy Treadwell? I'm not expecting everyone to remember, uh, to know it, but it's, you could look it up online afterwards if you want to, but he was an interesting character. He spent 13 years camping with wild bears in Alaska. He would talk to them. He would videos, videotape himself playing with them and even touching them. And, being, and he would camp there with them. He, would call them. he would call the grizzly bears of Alaska my friends. Look at my friends and I can camp with them and we're good. And uh, I can handle them. They understand me. I understand them. That worked out real well. On October 5th, 2003, he and he brought his girlfriend with him that time. They were both mauled to death by bears that he called his friends, that he had given names to. Don't forget that there's an enemy out to destroy your life. The battle is always present. Okay. Never stop fighting the battle. Number two, never stop listening to God. So the first two points really dealt with never stop fighting the battle, and we're going to finish this up quickly tonight. Lastly, you can find God's protection from letting sin take hold in your life by remembering you can't conceal anything from God. David got into a dangerous place where he thought he could cover it up And no one would be the wiser. And he stopped listening to God. God put some stop signs up to David. David, she's the wife of Uriah. Uh, David, um, Uriah didn't participate in David's plan twice. Right there's three stop signs right there that David could have said what am I doing let me start listening to God again where have I gotten can I tell you the the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good you cannot escape you can, there's no wisdom nor counsel nor understanding against the Lord You cannot outsmart God. You cannot sidestep. There are no loopholes with God. You cannot hire a good lawyer and get around God. Uh, There is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. God can see what's going on in your thoughts. He knows the motives of your heart. He knows where your mind is even when you're physically present somewhere else. God's not going to miss anything. Okay, But this is, I hope, an encouragement warning. If we just spend some time remembering and spending our time in the presence of God and knowing His holiness and knowing His presence in our life, that's going to help us. Wait a second, God's watching. What does His Word say about this? Lord, help me to listen to Your Word. We can easily get to a place where we can hear the word of God. Okay, what's the what's, uh, book of James, chapter 1? Don't be a hearer of the word lest we be a hearer of the word and not a doer, deceiving our own selves. Hearing the God's word without obeying God's word leads to self-deception, leads to following down. The pattern of sin that was given in James chapter 1 just a few verses earlier. He gave the pattern of sin and said, now make sure you not only hear the word of God, but you do the word of God. And that has how you avoid the pattern of sin. It's destructive. Our heart naturally wants to go that way. But here's the warning. Here's our warning signs. Always realize we're in a battle. Never stop fighting the battle. Number one, make sure you're safe. Make, make sure you're one of the ch- children of God. and n- Never give your fl- flesh a parole. Never give, oh, I have a, no, no. Never stop fighting the battle. We have an enemy. Don't compromise with the enemy. Don't pretend the enemy doesn't exist. Don't pretend the enemy's not that bad. K- keep your guard up and keep listening to God. And if we do that, there's a lot of danger that we can avoid. It doesn't mean we will avoid all temptation and we will not be in trouble and there won't be times that we do fall, but there's so much that could be avoided if David had just been where he was supposed to be. If David had just said, wait a second, even at home, I I desperately need a break for my health, but I'm going to make sure I'm in the temple praying and I'm going to make praying for my men in battle and I'm going to be seeking the face of the Lord, then he would have been tired and embedded in the nightfall instead of up on his roof. David forgot there was an enemy and he stopped listening to God. He tried to cover it up. He forgot that God was watching over all. And all of a sudden, David was where he never thought he would be, mostly because he wasn't paying attention. We gotta make sure we're fighting the battle, and we gotta make sure we're listening to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, and Lord, I pray that your word is an encouragement, it's a challenge to us, and I pray that you would protect each one in this room. And I pray that you would keep us on your path and keep us following you, Lord. And Lord, that we could see your hand of protection about each life, that we could be used of you for your glory. Help us, Lord, tonight. Help us find your mercy and your grace for when we do fail. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll take a moment. If you need to pray there at your seat, if you want to come forward and pray at the altar, if, let's just take some time and do some business with the Lord.